We have our gospel lesson from the Gospel of John this morning. We're deviating from Mark a little bit in our lectionary. So here are these words of John 2, verses 13 through 25. I'm reading from the New Revised Standard Version. The Passover of the Jews was near, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple, he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and the money changers seated at their tables. Making a whip of cords, he drove all of them out of the temple, both the sheep and the cattle. He also poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. He told those who were selling doves, take these things out of here. Stop making my father's house a marketplace. His disciples remembered what, that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. The Jews then said to him, what sign can you show us for doing this? Jesus answered them, destroy the temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, this temple has been under construction for 46 years, and you will raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. When he was in Jerusalem during the Passover festival, Many believed in his name because they saw the signs that he was doing. But Jesus, on his part, would not entrust himself to them because he knew all people and needed no one to testify about anyone, for he himself knew what was in everyone. The word of God for the people of God. Oh, friends in Christ, brothers and sisters, I have a confession to make to you. I, these days in the middle of the pandemic, um, from Berlin, Germany, where we are in strict lockdown, headed into week 19 and such, lately I have been angry. It is, it is an anger that comes from like somewhere deep inside. It is a seething anger. And it, and I know that this anger is to cover up fear and worry, but it is there. It is there when I hear about people misbehaving all over the world. That anger is present when I hear about Texas opening up 100% without masks. It is anger when I hear that the U.S. has 75% of the world's vaccinations and Germany has only vaccinated with one dose less than 2% of its population. We're just like waiting for vaccines to come. It is deep anger, my friends, when I hear of people traveling and not taking into account other people's feelings, health, responsibilities. It is anger when someone says to me, well, you can just like fly to the United States. And my response comes out pretty flippantly in which I say, well, can and should are different in my book. It is an anger that seethes each time I grieve deeply that something has been taken away. Because to be honest, we've been in this for a year and that makes me angry. <laughs> and I know that anger is masking fear. It is masking deep grief. It is the emotion I can access because it feels like it's at the surface. And so that is why today, when originally Pastor Jules was like, why don't you take on the Corinthians passage? And I opened up the lectionary to find Jesus angry in the temple. I said, no, 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 no. 
Today is the day I look to Jesus because Jesus is angry in this passage and I can relate. It is the thing I know best to do right now is to tap into that kind of anger. I want to look at that scripture this morning because it is what resonates with me. In the midst of what's seen as injustice, Jesus makes shifts and a weapon. Weapons weren't allowed in the temple, so he makes a cord to express his anger. He yells. He takes on authorities. Today, he is my hero in which I see in him all of the humanness that makes up me, that this divine being, this incarnation of God can also get angry, makes me want to follow him even more. Because I, right now, I have to confess to you, I am so angry sometimes I don't even know what to do with it. So let's take a step back. The Gospel of John places this story in a different place than any of the other Gospels. The other three Gospels are called Synoptic Gospels. John does things a little bit differently and is written quite a bit later than Matthew, Mark, or Luke. Mark, Matthew, and Luke place this story at the end of Jesus' ministry. It's to illustrate a different theological and political insight into that time and place. They're all writing to different communities, and for those communities, this story tips off what Romans need to have on Jesus to arrest him and eventually kill him, execute him. So this story kicks off something that gains their attention, but for John, it's actually near the beginning. John's first public act of ministry for Jesus is turning water into wine at that famous Cana wedding at the urge of his mother. It's to really show the first theological implications of Jesus being the source of abundance and new life. His first public act of ministry is a celebration. It's a party. It's something that gives goodness and abundance to his followers and tips them off to something that Jesus might be. And along the way, this is Jesus' continued narrative that he is life, that he is bread, that he is goodness, that he is Christ, that he is abundance in our world. So following closely on the hills of that public ministry, John places this particular story near the beginning because it actually shows the authorities that he is something different as well. And his complaint is not a den of robbers. It's not about the corruption of the marketplace because the temple needed the marketplace. They're going there for Passover, for uh, purification rites, but also to sacrifice to God in the temple, in a location. So in order to do that, the marketplace was needed. It wasn't that Jesus was against all marketplaces. We don't have story after story of Jesus going to different locations, tearing up the marketplace. He is not content with this particular marketplace because it marks that you have to arrive in this particular physical location of the temple in order to access God. And that sets off Jesus' anger. It's the fact that he's setting up new systems, whole new ways of accessing God that his anger allows him to enter into. So instead of tearing up the marketplace and calling them a den of robbers, he says, no, this is no longer what you need to access God. It highlights for us that this community needed a way to access God that wasn't a physical location. I want you to keep in mind, already the Roman Empire has destroyed the temple by the time the community of John is reading this text. 
So in order for the community of John to highlight that Jesus is the full embodiment of God, they have to set up a way to take away the notion that a physical location is necessary for God to be accessed. And in fact, Jesus says, destroy this temple and I will raise it up in three days. And as if we didn't get the implications, the writer of John helps us out and says, by the way, the temple's his body. By the way, this is not what he means when he means a physical location. Instead, Jesus is taking away the access for a physical location and placing it in the embodiment of Jesus Christ. In the indwelling of Jesus becomes the location of God, which means a whole bunch of implications about what that means for how we access God. It means God is not in a physical location, in a building. It means that God is full of human flaw, but also human beauty. It means that God is flexible and mobile like a human body. And it means that the body of Christ that we have become also is how we access the embodiment of God. Which in this pandemic life, when we aren't able to go into our churches and our spiritual spaces, we aren't able to meet in person. This takes on a whole new tenor, doesn't it? Because before we could say, oh yeah, the church is not the location. We should be sent out from the church. It's not that we access God by coming to church. But how many of us actually access that knowledge when we had the physical location? I think on some level, even I, as a clergy person who preaches this thought, in order to access God, I had to enter into the physical location to be communal with each other, to access God. And now that's completely blown apart because we actually can't go into our physical location. It doesn't hold the same place. So perhaps the writer of John is speaking to us as a modern pandemic-filled life as well in how we access God, because now we have to access God through the body of Christ in totally different ways. I'm speaking to you through a screen over nine time zones, which I'm pre-recording on Thursday in order to come and speak to you on Saturday and Sunday. And if you come to communion, I will be there through a screen, but in real life as part of the body of Christ, accessing God as you are too, as we partake our elements from different locations, which really we infuse with the incarnation itself to have a spiritual moment. Jesus' anger sparks something in us to question what it means to actually access God. So if I, as a human being, have this anger, perhaps I can follow a Christ who tells me that anger is good for something. So I went and read a few studies this week, of course, about what anger does for us, because we are accessing it more in COVID. There's something, and I wanted to know what that was. So I found a question and answer session with Dr. Hans Steiner at Stanford. And he, this was a, actually an interview that happened just last month on their website. And he said, you know, more of us are becoming angry because anger is actually a social event. In order to diffuse anger most of the time, we need social in intervention to process that anger and then be able to work through our anger to empathy because it is covering up probably what is deep grief, probably what is worry and fear. But anger, he said, is undervalued and underappreciated. 
He said that COVID enhances anger because we don't have the same social innovation to resolve. So we must instead work towards, he actually outlines a practice and discipline of working towards compassion and empathy and continuously remind ourselves that we're all in this together to work through and inspire rather than continue the anger. We actually need one another in order to work through our own anger and emotion. Jesus' anger sparked a whole new version of community because that anger is a social anger. And when we are devoid of that social interaction, we have less tools to work through. But empathy is the healer for our anger, Dr. Steiner says, after understanding its use and adaptive nature, because anger is useful. It actually fuels us. There's something in our belly where anger fuels us into action. The American Psychological Association wrote a whole uh, article about this as anger being part of our biological history. It's actually built into us. So when Jesus is angry, it's connecting to our biological history with that human being. It's part of our fight or flight responses. Quote, anger tells us it's important to listen to us. So actually anger does a couple of things for us. When we show anger, it means that we are signaling to others. It's important to listen to me. I have something to say. As long as we use it well, anger and moderation is kind of key to this. Otherwise anger causes other biological implications and, and harm. So we actually need ways to work through it. Perhaps Jesus is showing us a way to work through our anger. Anger allows us a perspective the APA tells us, it actually allows us to see the outcomes of change. And bbc.com, another study I wrote in July of 2020, so recently, outlines how a burst of anger can actually spark our creativity. So instead of running away from anger, perhaps we lean into the anger that we're feeling on a social level because it allows us to be more creative about how we access God. We've become extremely creative using Zoom time, using ways to reach out to one another, using YouTube and connections that perhaps we hadn't used before. It allows us to be a little bit better in our constructive nature as well. Again, in moderation, anger, this view into ourselves through anger, this our own overturning of tables, our own usage of anger can allow us to access each other and God, the divine, in a more creative and constructive way sometimes. So for me, I want my anger to be constructive. I want my empathy to lead me through that space. And I want to continuously work on the fact that I can access God through you the body of Christ. So my questions for you this day, as we continue on in our study, as we continue on in our Lenten journey, because we're in midway. So it's a marking that we're now turning towards the cross. We are working through our emotions to access that compassion and empathy and creativity towards new life. We are ready to transform. And for many of us, we felt we've been in Lent an extremely long time. So my questions for you are, if we can't be in the church, I know we all miss it. We've told stories of how we miss one another and we miss the space. If we can't be in the church, even if we're visualizing it, we want to be there. Where are you seeing God? How are you accessing the divine? How are you seeing that Jesus has called us out of the location to see the divine in our everyday body of Christ? 
And what emotions are you feeling? Can you access those this day? And how are you letting them tune you back in to our Lenten journey? Tune into that emotion. It may just help you access Jesus on a totally different level. Friends, go in peace. Go knowing that even in your anger, you are loved beyond measure. Go knowing that your emotions are real and true. And the incarnate of God has accessed those emotions to allow us to see God in a totally different way. Allow that space to open up where you might see God anew. Go knowing that you are so loved and so chosen. In the name of our creator, redeemer, and sustainer. Amen. See you next time, friends.